Hey, Alter Everything listeners. We know that turning raw data into insights can be time-consuming and challenging, but we've got good news for you. Alteryx can transform your analytics. Alteryx drives positive business outcomes by enabling fast, data-driven decisions. And you can try out our products today. Start your 30-day free trial of Alteryx Desktop or the Analytics Cloud Platform at alteryx.com slash alter everything. Welcome to Alter Everything, a podcast about data science and analytics culture. Today, we have a special episode for you on enterprise analytics of the future, including topics like how to leverage AI to get more done in less time and how organizations are putting analytics in the hands of more employees. This is a rebroadcast of some highlights from our Alter Next event that occurred on September 14th, hosted by Nick Halen, who you'll hear from next. We hope you enjoy. Are you ready to unlock the power of data? I'm your host, Nick Halen, Alteryx ACE and Global Director of Analytics at PH Data, premier partner of Alteryx. We've gathered an impressive lineup of thought leaders and industry experts for you today from all around the globe. These folks are visionaries who help others navigate the world of generative AI and advanced analytics, both of which are essential to make better strategic decisions. To kick things off, Senior Vice President of Alteryx Analytics Cloud, Adam Wilson, joins us to explain the transformative power of decision intelligence a multidisciplinary approach that integrates data analytics and human judgment to enhance decision-making processes. Welcome, Adam. The future of enterprise operations is transforming rapidly, thanks in part to the rise of AI. But in parallel to this exciting explosion of innovation, economic conditions continue to create turmoil across the business landscape due to inflation, rising interest rates, and supply chain disruptions. These challenges are likely to impact economic growth in the coming months and years dramatically. As a result, leaders are being asked to do more with less. Historically, those who invest in enterprise analytics weather the storms better, rising above the competition. Coming out of the Great Recession, organizations that doubled down on strategic innovation and analytics outperformed their peers who did not. In fact, According to the International Institute for Analytics, analytics maturity drives real revenue outcomes for organizations, especially in times of economic unrest. Organizations with higher analytic maturity see significantly larger revenue growth over sustained periods of time compared to organizations with lower analytics maturity. One example of how analytics maturity is changing business outcomes is the renewed interest and recognition of the importance of spatial analysis. Location intelligence and insights about the workforce and the talent that you have matter now more than ever before. Geographic data enables deeper, richer insights and improves decision-making. Combining location insights with other data such as demographic, sociographic data, and more creates an even more complete picture of your business, of your employees, and your customers. Now, with Gen AI taking the world by storm since last November, a recent McKinsey survey estimated that Gen AI could add up to 4.4 trillion annually to the global economy. But why is the AI frenzy happening right now? A few reasons. Data volume and variety has increased over the last decade. Algorithms are better and can operate at scale. And finally, compute power is more affordable than ever before. Businesses have the ability 
um, to harness the power of data and AI-driven insights to seize opportunities, mitigate risks, and thrive in this dynamic landscape. Generative AI and large language models lower the barriers to entry for analytic questions. They break down the silos and engage our imaginations on how we understand data. To dive deeper into these topics, I'd like to welcome Dave Menninger, SVP and Research Director from Ventana Research, to provide some perspective. Dave, we've seen a magnitude of change in the macro environment this year. Can you provide some perspective on how this is impacting analytics leaders and the solutions they need to drive better decision-making and analytics adoption? Hi, Adam. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to provide some comments. From a big picture perspective, the, the basic issue that organizations are facing is that they're being asked to do more with less. And, and so part of that modernization effort is, is attempting to deliver on doing more with less. And they're also unfortunately facing increasing uncertainty and volatility in the markets. So this is just a, a extremely dynamic situation. It really screams for analytics. As we start thinking about some of this uh, automation, inevitably people start talking about AI and, and specifically generative, which, which poses an interesting balancing act for CIOs and CDOs. These leaders are tasked with unleashing the power of generative within their organizations while ensuring security and governance and privacy and regulatory requirements are being met. What are, what are your thoughts on, on how practitioners can effectively harness generative AI in their analytics delivery? There's absolutely an opportunity for generative AI. It's still in its infancy, but it's having some immediate impacts. And there are two primary areas where I see immediate impacts. One is with conversational interfaces, right? The large language models have, have enabled organizations to do a much better job providing uh, conversational interfaces to be able to ask questions using plain language and, and get answers uh, that are pretty much on target. Um, that's been a challenge in the past because the natural language interfaces have really been based upon deterministic models. You had to know all of the words or phrases that might be presented in order to be able to respond to them. But the large language models eliminate a lot of that need. They've seen everything, so they understand what might be presented. And so that's really helpful. Conversational uh, interfaces allow more of the organization to access information and get the information that they need. So that's one area where generative AI can certainly have an impact and is having an impact already. And the second area is uh, making products easier to use. So natural language interfaces are one element of making them easier to use, but there are specific tasks that can be enhanced by using generative AI. So for instance, generative AI could be used to create a new set of data pipelines uh, or an analysis that hadn't previously existed. Looking back over the previous pipelines that your clients have created, generative AI could say, oh, I've seen this type of situation before. Let's prepare uh, something similar to that for this new situation. Now, granted, it should still be reviewed, right, and verified, but it's better than starting with a blank sheet of paper. You get the individual further down the path so that they can be tweaking and tuning as opposed to just starting from scratch. And, and we've seen similar types of things with uh, even just creating SQL uh, statements, right? A lot of a lot of people who need access to data don't necessarily know SQL. And so generative AI can be a way to generate that SQL. And again, it may just be a starting point, but it's certainly helpful in making these products a whole lot easier to use. Yeah, I love this idea that 
we can learn from the data and we can learn from how the how people make use of the data so because every every data set's not not new probably there are people who have seen something like it before and so if we can actually start to curate a corpus of usage data um, that allows us to learn then you can start to give people a running start at the work that they're doing it's like hey we've seen something like this before and as you start to interact with the data we can provide intelligent recommendations and suggestions that speed some of the really complicated and more technical parts of getting pipelines built kind of getting models selected, getting analytics delivered. And so I think that we're, we're kind of at this amazing moment in time where I think you're going to see a lot more of that over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. And there's probably never been a more fun time in, in data and analytics, at least in my career, um, where you're starting to see all of this come together and, and deliver some exciting results for organizations. So despite all this excitement and this innovation. We're still talking about early innings for most organizations. There's really only roughly 24% of organizations that are using advanced decision intelligence technology and analytic tools to make their decisions. So what, what are your thoughts on why this number is so low? Can generative AI be part of the answer to this seemingly low adoption rate for advanced analytics? Well, our research shows similar figures. We looked at what percentage of the organization is enabled with analytics and three quarters of organizations, it's less than half of the workforce. So clearly there's plenty of room for more adoption. And, and I think there's three factors that contribute to the low rates of adoption. The first is that analytics really are designed for analysts. They're not designed for line of business personnel that are in the middle of doing their day-to-day -day job. The second we've already talked about is natural language interfaces, right? Those, those are ways to enable more of the workforce, and they're really just starting to gain popularity. And the third is that advanced decision intelligence is hard. It requires specialized skills, particularly if you're going to talk about machine learning models and things like that. But you, need, you need a specialized set of skills. It's different than traditional analyst skills. And, and as a result, you need to package those advanced capabilities in a way that the line of business personnel can access them and use them. And we see more and more organizations valuing embedded analytics, about three quarters of organizations consider embedded analytics important. And we see more and more vendors providing embedded analytics capabilities. And even the, the corporate development staffs at, at your and my client organizations are building more and more embedded analytics applications with the tools uh, that you guys provide. Yeah, it's interesting to see how that has become the frontier for competition in, in many cases. You know, I know, you know, you and I have been around a long time in this space and 25 years ago, everybody was digitizing. They were, they were trying to deal with transaction processing. They were doing business process reengineering. Like those were, that was the modernization that was going on uh, back then. And analytics was a little bit of an afterthought. And, and now you see a complete uh, shift where this really, you know, is the thing that's going to separate the winners from the losers over the course of the next decade. And it's about what, what are you, what data do you have? How can you use that to, to develop deeper insights into the goods and services that you make and provide and your ability to be incredibly facile with the data and be able to get, combine things in new and interesting ways to get to new and interesting insights. But I guess the, the question I'd ask is what, what guidance do you have for these analytics practitioners who want to better leverage 
these capabilities, and in particular things like generative, to improve overall organizational decision making. My first piece of advice is for analytics leaders is to be careful. Generative AI is not a magic bullet. And we, we've probably all heard some of the horror stories, right? It can hallucinate. It can be based on, on bad information, even if it's not hallucinating. It could give you wrong information. Predictive analytics and, and AI is based on probabilities. Well, that's not 100% certainty. So, so be careful. It's not a magic bullet, but it can certainly be helpful. So what you should be doing is looking for ways to use generative AI and, and use it, I think, first and foremost, to make analytics more accessible in the organization. Then you can start to think about how generative AI can do other things for your organization. But, but start by focusing on that conversational aspect and, and making analytics just easier to use. And then for the hands-on practitioners, look for vendors that are taking those generative AI capabilities and applying them to tasks that we like, like we talked about earlier, building data pipelines, generating SQL, performing data quality tasks, right? Look for vendors that are incorporating those generative AI capabilities into their products. So that will help you automate more of the tasks and make your users more productive. Our next guest was writing and speaking about AI years before it made its way into headlines. Tom Davenport is a pioneering authority on AI strategies that drive competitive advantage. He's co-author of the Wall Street Journal's bestseller, All In on AI, how smart companies win big with artificial intelligence. Today, he'll share practical advice for leaders and practitioners on harnessing generative AI to increase analytics delivery excellence and value creation. It's my pleasure to introduce Tom Davenport, joined by Chief Technology Officer of Alteryx, D.V. Lamba. Hi everyone, I'm D.V. Lamba, Chief Technology Officer at Alteryx. In the past year, generative AI and LLMs have ascended to a meteoric rise in our public discourse. In fact, according to Gartner, it's projected that by 2024, 75% of the new enterprise AI applications will incorporate generative AI. But this technology has traversed quite a journey since its inception. And we are only now starting to scratch the surface of applications of this technology, along with how it will transform and transcend how we all work in the future. To delve further into this subject alongside me, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Davenport, a revered thought leader in the realm of analytics and acclaimed writer. He's the president's distinguished professor of information technology and management at Babson College. Tom, thank you for joining me. Thanks, TV. It's great to be here with you and fun to discuss the most exciting topic in technology these days. And I'm also interested in hearing what Alteryx is doing in this regard. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you, Tom. I think uh, this is like a hot topic these days. So, so we can level set our audience. You recently published the 2023 Data and Analytics Leadership Executive Survey with New Vantage Partners. Could you share some relevant insights from that research and how it aligns with the things we are seeing with Generative AI today? Sure, well, this is a survey of data leaders that I work with every year with New Vantage Partners and it shows changes over time. Certainly the, there's some good news in that companies are investing more in AI and they're feeling like they're getting more value out of AI than they have in the past. And they're actually putting some AI systems into production deployment, which the survey has shown they, they weren't doing as much in the, in the past. There are some challenges, however, involving creating a data-driven culture and data-driven decision-making. Those human factors don't tend to change as much. 
this survey was done late last year before generative AI had really hit in a substantial way. But I do have some new surveys and reports coming out this year on generative AI. It's pretty clear that that's a subject on everybody's mind as to whether it will change the data culture of organizations. I'm not so sure, but it certainly created a very high level of excitement among senior executives and technology professionals. You know, the understanding in the analytics world has been that AI is almost a pinnacle of analytics delivery. And only really analytically mature companies can reap the re rewards of things like AI and machine learning. Has that changed with the advent of generative AI? Well, I think it's, uh, again, it's early days, but it has promise of being changed. And one of the, the um, strategies of Alteryx has always been to empower non-professional analytics and AI people. And I think generative AI has the potential for opening up these capabilities a lot more for citizens, as they're sometimes called, to be able to ask questions in plain English or whatever language they speak and get answers back. So Tom, as, as we are launching these generative AI capabilities and talking to our customers, we see a lot of interest in organizations starting to embrace generative AI. And given that this is a new capability set, of course, there's lots of questions about things like privacy, compliance, and really the fear of the unknown. So how would you recommend companies go about embarking on this journey and understanding how to get into generative AI from their perspective? Well, I, I think that's a great question, DV. Obviously, this is still a period of experimentation for most companies. They're trying to figure out how does generative AI fit their particular business strategy and business model, and how does it add value to the previous AI and analytics activities that they were performing. I do think that the most mature organizations are starting to establish some initial policies, at least, for things like uh, information security and privacy. You don't put confidential information into a public prompt window or context window. I have only heard about experiments in the area of data analytics and AI, where you can take tools that allow you to display information graphically, not just text information, but structured data. You can display the information graphically and do a little bit of analysis. I think we're in the early days of having a platform that can let people specify whatever kinds of information they want, be it from unstructured text or structured data. And I, I think this would be a big advance um, over what we've had in the past. We've had always a barrier of ease of use. Alteryx is quite easy to use, but there's still some people who had challenges with it. So now just being able to ask for what you want and have Alteryx or whatever systems go out and get what data you need and do the analysis that you need. And even as you suggest, interpret it in a textual description, I think will really hasten the development of analytical capabilities in organizations. So it'll, I think it'll lead to a real flowering of the use of analytics in AI in almost every company. 
But I'd be curious to hear how you're approaching some of these issues as well, particularly this issue of governance with which, you know, chief data officers and so on are always concerned with. How is Alteryx thinking about how generative AI affects data and analytics governance? Thank you, Tom. I think firstly, Alteryx, of course, places utmost importance on responsible and ethical practices in managing impact of generative AI on any data and analytics governance, right? That commitment from our side extends to, of course, our own development of AI tools and to our strategic partnerships with other model and AI ops providers who we work with. We've recently sent submissions to the United States uh, National Telecommunications and Information Administration, for example, NTIA, and to Australia's Department of Industry, Science and Resources, calling for AI regulation to establish some ground rules and a level playing field across what's today a very fragmented and growing AI landscape. We firmly believe that appropriate government regulation can be enacted without really hindering the progress of AI. And so we've been advocating for legislation that adheres to some essential principles. For example, comprehensive coverage of the AI system lifecycle end-to-end, alignment across global regulations and standards, and some risk-based assessments to identify and mitigate concerns of the customers. Looking ahead, I think also it's important that several key trends that are coming up and will shape the evolution of this landscape are considered as companies understand governance, right? There is going to be a heightened focus on things like transparency and explainability of AI models that, every, you know, that, that a lot of research is going into. And eventually all the check loops have to be human centers. People have to be part of the AI process and there has to be increasing attention to addressing any bias or ensuring fairness before large enterprise adoption is seen. Continued emphasis on privacy and data, data practices is important. But one other question that often comes up, Tom, in this is how, is the, how are the advances in generative AI, and, and as they start to really power the transformation across various domains, how do you envision its impact on the role of human ingenuity as more and more automation takes place with this technological revolution? Yeah, um, and by the way, I'm really glad to hear about Alteryx's efforts with regard to regulation. I do think we need more of that, and Europe is a bit ahead of us. So if you can prompt the United States to move more quickly, that would be great. Um, on the issue of what does this mean for us humans, I, I've written several books now on the impact of AI on work, and I've always been a very strong advocate of augmentation, smart humans and smart machines working as um, you know, collaborators alongside each other. I do have to admit that generative AI has given me pause a bit. And as a content creator myself, I do wonder if it's going to take over the jobs of some content creators. But now, of course, we still need a human in the loop. We have um, a human having to issue a prompt in the first place, and then we have a human needing to look at the output to see is it really accurate and suitable for consumption by other humans. So I think we will probably see on the margins at least some changes in content creation oriented jobs. In the analytics and AI space, assuming that generative AI begins to be used as a, as a front end or an interface to um, systems that can do that kind of work, um, no matter how much the 
generative AI can do, we still need humans to know what questions need to be answered and to frame the problem in the first place. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. So I think there's still a substantial role for, for humans in, in that regard. I couldn't agree more, Tom. I, like you, am very optimistic about the potential for this technology and the advances we'll see, not just in analytics, but healthcare, finance, manufacturing, design, and every other field. I know we are at time, but this has been a great discussion. Thank you, Tom, for sharing your expertise and insights with us today. Thanks for having me, DV. The retail industry is more competitive and volatile than it's ever been, with consumer habits rapidly changing and online shopping becoming the norm for many. Staying ahead of competition and at the top of mind of customers requires that retailers leverage advanced technologies, everything from AI to cloud technology to location intelligence. Our next guest from Accenture joins us to share how their firm is helping retailers build the store of the future and how analytics is shaping this new world. Join us now, Luke Gibson, Retail Strategy Manager at Accenture, and Julie Torre, Vice President of Altrix Americas. Hi, I'm Julie Torre, Vice President of Americas Partner Sales here at Altrix. We are joined today by Luke Gibson from Accenture. Welcome, Luke. And why don't you give us a quick introduction, share some thoughts on the Altrix and Accenture partnership. Yeah, hi, Julie. Um, so, yeah, so I'm Luke. I work uh, within Accenture's retail strategy and consulting practice. Uh, I've been at Accenture for six years, predominantly working in spatial analytics, helping our clients to optimize, optimize their physical store estates. Yeah, Accenture and Alteryx have had a long-standing strategic relationship. We utilize Alteryx extensively across all of our markets and industries, helping our customers to accelerate their digital transformation journeys and really drive their analytic capabilities. The retail world is very volatile. It's more volatile than ever before, requiring really a relentless revised strategy, including setting up advanced store networks. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the current state of the retail industry and, and what role do you see analytics playing in this new world for the sort of store network of tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. So if we started with the sort of retail uh, landscape in general, really in the face of ongoing economic headwinds, we're continuing to see cost pressures, meaning retailers are having to make really tough decisions about where to prioritize their investment in order to achieve a profit. And this is fairly uniform across all of the markets that we work in. We've then thought, therefore seen a focus on performance improvement across all aspects of businesses, including supply chain, in-store operations, and the area that I predominantly work in, which is getting the most out of the physical store estates, so optimizing the, the store estates. And on that one, in, in order to reduce costs and boost sales, we're, we're seeing more and more retailers looking to rationalize and optimize their, their store estates through making opening opening decisions in growth markets. So looking where is the white space, where can I open new stores? consolidation decisions about underperforming stores, but also looking at differentiating their formats of their stores. On that final point, on the differentiation point, so we're seeing small a shift in the last few years towards smaller, more experiential units, and that's been a key trend since customers have returned to the high street post-COVID and are searching for an omni-channel, more experiential offer. And if we think about the role that analytics has to play um, in driving those optimization decisions. So traditionally, strategic decision making has been based on gut feel and experience alone. 
Um, but more recently, we're seeing a shift towards just strategic decision making supported by really robust analytics. There's probably two reasons for this. The first of, that, first of which is it is those cost pressures, meaning that it's harder and harder to achieve a profit. So there's less wiggle room for making poor decisions about store openings. Secondly, however, there's also an opportunity for analytics to draw down on the growing uh, wealth of internal and external data sets. So a lot of the businesses we work, work with are sitting on a huge amount of internal data, which they're often uh, not ut utilizing at the moment. Then if we think about a physical store network optimization, effective data analytics, really all it's about is enabling retailers to predict the performance of new stores to a greater degree of accuracy. So if you think that a, a retailer, uh, if you think that effective analytics will enable you to improve your sales forecast by say 10%, if a retailer is signing a 10 year lease on a store, that 10% very easily turns into a really good uh, return on investment. Absolutely. And certainly an expensive mistake if, if not made correctly. So as you help your customers with their sort of revitalized retail strategy, what are some of the best practices or tools or methodologies you see being implemented? And, and what role do you see um, with the latest sort of advancements in technology playing um, in some of those decisions? Yeah, so when we when we work with our clients, we try to deploy what we call the shape of chain methodology, which we, we see as, as best practice. And what it's about is about understanding and identifying what drives performance across their store or state to enable us to answer a number of key questions. So things about how we grow our market sales and capture, how we best optimize our store network, how we're deploying those new formats, which I mentioned. And ultimately, we see uh, Alteryx as being really imperative to, achieve, to achieving these these answers. So if I talk about some of the, the analysis that we're doing in the middle there, first and foremost, um, Alteryx enables us to import data from a variety of sources, both on cloud and on-prem, uh, from a variety of disparate data sources across an organization. So when we, when we go and do a project with a client, we typically see that their data is never really all in one place. It's often from a number of different places. And Alteryx enables us to really blend those um, and analyze those data. Then if we focus on some of the actual analysis we're doing, so for example, if we look at uh, catchment analysis and cannibalization analysis, so really analyzing the relationships between uh, the customers in the store and the stores with each other, um, we're relying heavily there on Alteryx's spatial tools to enable us to do that. So things like drive times, um, intersections, all of the stuff that's within um, the spatial tools in Alteryx. Um, and then ultimately what we've, what we've, what we're trying to do here is predict the performance um, in a new location so a new store location. Um, and for that, we're relying on the predictive tools to build regression models, to build other side, other types of predictive models, um, to get a good idea of how well a store will perform in a new location. We, what we then do is we, we roll this up into something that we call the shape of chain toolkit. And ultimately when we hand over our models, it's more common that our clients want to take these models in-house to enable that solution to then become a, a living and breathing solution rather than a point in time recommendation. So traditionally, a point in time recommendation would have been how we did it, open stores in these locations. But what we want to do now is that six months down the line, for example, a client may have opened five of the stores we recommended, um, but then they want to refresh that analysis. And that's what hosting these solutions on Alteryx server it, within their environment enables them to do. And that will enable them to pull all that data in live from their from their internal data sources as those data change over time. We then, we, then what we see is that in almost all of our all our projects, our clients then want to interact with the outputs uh, dynamically and interactively. So we often use Tableau, although there's other types of visualization software available. 
But what Tableau enables us to do is it lets our clients digest those outputs more interactively. Um, if you couple that with, if you couple that up with AI-driven insights utilizing auto insights, and you have a comprehensive analytic solution for anyone, be it a business analyst or an IT SME or whoever else be interacting with the solution. And that last point, it's so critical, as you pointed out earlier, right? Decisions have to be made quickly. There's little room for error. Having that data in a consumable format with insights applied across various stakeholders just helps accelerate that decision-making process for your customers and I'm sure um, has truly made an impact. I'd love to hear a little bit about um, examples or success stories that come to mind. We understand businesses have different goals that they have to adhere to. and so it'd be interesting to hear where it's boosted sort of their store network or, or learn about some of the collaborations and the value that you've been able to bring to a real life customer. Yeah, so a good example that comes to mind is Metro Bank. So for those not based in the UK, Metro Bank is a UK based bank. Um, and what they wanted, wanted to take advantage of white space growth opportunities, so areas to grow that grow the, the, the estate, but they wanted to do that using new format propositions. So back on some of the points I touched on earlier, looking to have lighter touch formats that are more experiential. So the client wanted us to implement a fast paced data driven plan, aiming at forecasting a range of KPIs. So through utilizing Alteryx, we were able to analyze the performance of their current estate against a, a range of internal and external data sets and their develop, therefore develop a, a really strong regression model to predict the performance of these new formats in these new locations. We then used Alteryx's spatial capabilities to develop a optimized ecosystem, as it were. So how do these new formats fit within your current estate to perform most effectively? And then the output of that, that model, we then turned into a suite of Tableau dashboards to enable the, the decision makers at, at Metro Bank to easily interrogate the selected locations and to see why the model selected a particular location and particular format. Um, and this is really something that wouldn't be is not particularly achievable using traditional deliverable formats. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing the insights and that example. And from this conversation, I really have sort of three top takeaways. The first is Accenture and Alteryx have a strong strategic partnership driving digital transformation and analytics capabilities for customers globally. Um, and you've talked about it, Luke, throughout this session, analytics is playing a vital role in optimizing retail store networks, right? Enabling data-driven decisions, enhancing performance, reducing costs, and really improving overall the customer experience. And the last piece is advanced capabilities such as accurate sales forecasting, interactive dashboards. These are all really instrumental in helping to shape the future of analytics um, and how it's going to empower our shared customers to make informed decisions, achieve growth. So Luke, I just want to thank you again for sharing your insights with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. To check out resources related to this episode, head over to our show notes on community.altrix.com slash podcast. And if you liked today's episode, leave us a review. See you next time.